Fantastic. Uh, hi, everyone. It's Obiabuchi here with the Leading From Your Core podcast and vodcast. This show is dedicated to helping leaders all around the world discover leadership wisdom, stories, and insights that will enable you to tap into the power of leading from the inside out. And I'm delighted to welcome on the show Kimberly Harrison. Uh, Kimberly is the CHRO for group functions at Deutsche Post DHL Group, which includes leading the overall functional strategy and delivery across 200 countries with 26,000 employees in a complex hosting environment. She's a member of the HR board, the finance board, and global business services divisional board, and has an incredible passion for HR, for diversity, for inclusion at all levels of management within the organization. She's based in Germany, uh, but you'll hear from her accent. She's American, uh, holds a degree in business administration from the University of San Diego, married, has two wonderful children, uh, 29 and 27. And during her free time, when she gets it, she and her husband enjoy sailing. Uh, Kimberly, delight to see you again and really excited to have you on the show. Oh, thanks, Obi. It's great to be here with you and thank you for the invitation. No, I, I know. I know we are going to have a, a wonderful conversation. And we were talking just before uh, the show started about your focus in recent years with, and this has always been big on your heart, just vulnerability in leadership, authenticity in leadership, inclusion, really seeing people uh, at their best, operating at their best and operating from a, a heart-centered place. And so I was really looking forward to having you here and uh, sharing more of this. Uh, as a way of people getting to know you and, and just diving into this. I'd love to hear, what do you enjoy most about being a leader? And obviously you've been leading for a long time now. What, what do you enjoy most? And we'll kind of kick off from there. Okay, that's a fair question. Uh, I think what I enjoy the most about leading is connecting with people. And really connecting with people in a, in a deep way, because I feel like as a leader, if you don't know your people, how are you going to engage them? How are you going to know what inspires them, what motivates them, and, and really importantly, what demotivates them? Where are you going to get, you know, the, the maybe the least best part of themselves? And so for me, it's really important as a leader, and I just love connecting with people to really understand who they are as a person. And if we talk about getting the best out of them every day, then that means they have to be able to bring their, their whole selves to work. And when people bring their whole, whole selves to work, it also means that maybe they're bringing some other baggage with them that, you know, as, as a business, as leaders, we would prefer them not to bring, but we're human. And I do believe that bringing your whole self to work means you need to understand what some of that baggage might be. So I think it's really important to know who they are. And when you spend the time to know who they are, you understand better how to get what you want out of them and also help them achieve their aspirations. And for me, that's really where I find my purpose as a leader. And certainly that's why I chose moving into a field of HR because I really felt connected to wanting to help people 
get to where they wanted to be. And I thought well, human resources is a great profession to be in to help people develop and, and find their place and what they want to do. And so that's just all kind of come together and worked for me in a very natural way. Yeah, and it sounds like it. It really does. I love the fact that the first place you go is connecting with people and, and knowing people and, and that humanity, because it, it's very easy for people. And in a sense, leadership is about the, the goals that we're trying to achieve and the impact that we're trying to have. And some people can come at it from a task perspective. Here's what we got to do. And how do I get people to do this? And, and I get the sense, and I've known you for a while now, that for you, the starting point is, hey, let's connect with people and, and really harness that authentic power and energy to move us all in the right direction. Yeah, and I really see leadership as a stewardship role. It really is. Ooh, wow. It isn't about being served. It's about serving others. And certainly if you're in a business, you're serving others to hopefully deliver something of value and benefit and um, financial impact for the business and for the community it serves and operates in, as well as its shareholders. But I really do see it as stewardship and not like, okay, I'm here and you serve me as your leader. It doesn't make sense. So, mm -hmm. so yeah. it really is um, important to have that connection. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You've touched on something that is so close to my heart, um, stewardship in leadership. I wrote about that in, in my recent book, and I actually tell a story, and I'd love to just, uh, I'll, I'll share this and then we can unpack it. I was at a conference in, in your country a few years ago. <laughs> so this was um, 2019. I was in Lubbock, Texas, and I attended a, a conference there, various uh, leadership conference, um, lots of CEOs and their team members were there. And, and I notice a bio and this bio just grabs my attention. And the reason it grabs my attention is because the speaker introduced or described himself and his wife who were there as the stewards of our organization. And I've never seen that before. I mean, oh. you know, most people say, you know, there's talk about servant leadership and all that, but they specifically said, we're the stewards of our organization. And I'm thinking, wow, okay, I need to chat with this guy. And so go over, have a chat with him. And it you could just tell that this wasn't just semantics. This, this yeah. was deep. It impacted their recruitment practices, their comp and ben approach, the, the way that they engaged people, really flipping on how do I serve? How do I enable? How do I distribute and use my power as essentially the owner of this organization to not only steward the resources, but also the hearts of, of people here. And yeah. th that was incredibly powerful for me. And you mentioned earlier on, even when you were talking about just connecting, if you wanna get the best out of your people, you've got to know them, that, that is stewarding an environment. And I just, I'd love to go to sort of a, a challenging place first, and then we can explore some of the, the good time. But what what stops in your experience, because you've worked with tons of leaders around the world, what stops leaders from adopting that mindset of stewardship? Um, what's your experience? 
my own experience, I would have to say, would be their own agenda. Mm. Uh, I think gets in their way. I think at the end of the day, well, let's say, let's take it the opposite way. At the beginning of every day, every day, I think everybody gets up and they think, I want to do my best. You know, sure, nobody absolutely. wakes up and says, I want to do lousy work today. <laughs> yeah, and, yes. and even leaders, you know, I think we wake up and we think, okay, what? I, I want to be my best today. I want to be at my best today. And I think sometimes we can wake up with the best of intentions, but sometimes if we're not really clear and consistent in our purpose and uh, really holding true to our values, we can easily get lost down a rabbit hole on our own agenda, what we're trying to achieve for ourselves. And, you know, at the end of the day, we are humans. We want to get some recognition for ourselves as well. Mm, mm. And I think that can sometimes muddy the waters a bit. And I, I learned, I heard from um, a leadership guru that I, I really like years ago. He said, you know, take care of your people and your people will take care of your business. And mm. I really, that really it's resonated beautiful. for me. Yeah. And I think that's where you get the recognition. You make your people superstars. You make them shine. You make them the best they can possibly be. And that all will reflect on you as a leader. And, um, and so, yeah, it, I think it's just their own agendas getting in the way. Yeah, yeah. And that's wonderful because, so on the one hand, it's their agendas and, and sometimes we lose our way, we lose our purpose, we lose that sense of our true values. Yeah. But if you really hone in on looking after your people, um, and that's a, the, at the heart of stewardship, it's this, in my book, I, I describe it as stewardship is not seeing this as something that I own, but seeing it as something that I've got an accountability to look after. Yeah. And so I'm looking after this department. I'm looking after this organization. I'm looking after these resources. I'm looking after people. And I, I often think of it as just if I had a plant and I really wanted to nurture it so that it would thrive, what would that look like, right? And a little water, um, a little sunlight, you know, absolutely, a little love, you know. I, I think also, I, I think leading with your heart is helpful. Um, it doesn't come natural to a lot of people. For me, it does come natural. Um, that's my sense of comfort. So really, being empathetic and caring for people is also, I think really important as a leader if you don't like people you probably shouldn't be a leader <laughs> mm, mm, yeah <laughs> it's uh, I mean that that reminds me uh, and I'm sure you've heard this as well in fact I'm pretty confident you would have the one of the number one complaints I get from managers and, and leaders is I, I wish I didn't have to deal with all of these people issues so I could get on with my day job and I always challenge back and I just say, but hey, leading, dealing with all of these people issues is part of your day job. As soon as you become a leader, you by default are have an accountability and a responsibility to, to look after people and people. And you said it a few times, right? We're human. We come with that, with baggage, with challenges, with um, issues. and. I wonder if a big part of it is, as leaders, denying our own baggage and our own issues. And I often see it as fear. It's a fear of being our 
true selves and but but this could derail the goals that i'm after this could derail what i'm trying to achieve and yet actually it can enable it yeah it can enable it when you bring more of yourself you've got more of your heart you're able to tackle some big challenges and decisions in a more holistic way than if you're shutting off a part of yourself exactly and um, in my own experience, I mean, being a little bit vulnerable or a lot of it vulnerable sometimes in my case, um, it's, it doesn't always feel comfortable in the workplace because I'm not in a workplace that really embraces that on a regular basis. But I've learned to get comfortable with my own vulnerability and just mm. letting it just letting it happen. And I think because of it, it does make me more relatable. And mm. uh, as a leader, I also think that's really important that you're relatable to all people at all levels in the organization, uh, not just your direct reporting line and not to the senior level above you, but really you're, you're open to having a conversation with anybody anywhere in the hallway, what have you, and just acknowledging that we all exist and we're all there to, to do something phenomenal together, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you are you seeing that change the a culture of more vulnerability, more authenticity, or um, not? I have noticed it um, certainly within my own organization. I've noticed it, and I think that's really I hate to say it's a benefit of the pandemic, but I actually think it is. Uh, wow because it really did for the pandemic forced us as well as it forced probably almost everybody else out there to work a little bit differently and mm -hmm. really had to take us out of our comfort zones um, as leaders and not seeing your people every day in the office, but seeing them like I'm seeing you today on a screen and talking sure. to you like this. And maybe some of them don't even turn their cameras on, but really having to take a bit of an extra measure to connect with your people more than maybe you would if you were in the office. And mm -hmm. when you do make that connection to actually first see how are they doing? Mm -hmm. How are their families doing? You know, really going, I think it really did stretch a lot of um, us to have to go further than we normally would have gone. And I do think that that is a, a good benefit from that pandemic experience. And I hope that people continue with it because then it will sure. just continue to multiply and maybe we'll see more of it going forward. But um, I also fear that ugh, it would really be horrible if, if we saw leaders pulling back from that level of engagement once things tend to normalize. I think it will actually harm their credibility as leaders um, to pull away from that now. So yeah. I hope it continues and it flourishes and uh, people get more comfortable with it. Yeah, hopefully leaders, more leaders see the the stickiness and the value and the benefit um, of it, because yeah. sometimes it's habits as well. We've just gotten into the habit of focusing on the task and focusing on the operation and, and not on uh, people. But you said it before, Obi, when you mentioned, you know, leading people is part of your day job. I actually think as leaders, it's the majority of your day job. Indeed. It's no longer those operational tasks. It's more about making sure that your workforce, your employees, that they're ready to pick up those tasks and to 
go further and to step up and to be further developed and engaged. And that is no easy feat, I know, but um, it's really important that we start to see that shift. The minute you step into a leadership position, it is about the people and mm. how you get them developed, engaged, nurtured, and ready for the next challenge. Yeah. And I mean, on that front of just, you know, how do you get them ready, you know, nurtured and and primed for the next challenge? One of the phrases, and again, I think we talked about it just before we started <laughs> the interview, this um, idea of command and control that's typical within organizations. And there's so many examples of leaders who are suddenly in a position of power and authority and abuse that. Why do you think that is? I would just have to say, I think it's because that's been their experience before they were a leader, that that was the kind of leader that led them. And um, history, not history, but those kinds of habits are learned. And mm -hmm. you think, oh, this is the norm. This is how I'm expected to be treated. And when I'm a leader, that's exactly how I'm going to treat my people because this is how it's always been. And this is, this is how you do it. You tell people how, what to do. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think also you see that that is kind of rewarded, right? In organizations, mm -hmm. um, you don't see those leaders that are operating that way being pushed out or demoted or anything. So that kind of leads you to think, okay, that must be the right way to do things because they're still here and they're still my boss and they're still leading in this style. So that's exactly what I need to do when I get that role or when I get my next big break to step up and be a leader. And I would just challenge that and say, break the mold. Um, it isn't supposed to necessarily be like that. And I do think it is learned from what you experience. And I was really, really beneficial or I really benefited from having four amazing mentors very, very early in my career um, that just behaved in a completely different way, more collaborative, more connecting, leading mm. with their hearts, being mm. vulnerable. And that those relationships that I had working for them in those early years just sealed the deal for me that that was the way to get the best out of people. Um, wow, so. wow. It, it, it's interesting just hearing your experience and just the, this idea of people just repeating history or, or what they've learned or what they've experienced themselves. And, and for you, you're someone who's naturally connected to your heart, but you still benefited from great role models around you who demonstrated what that looks like and it sounds like there's this natural tension within organizations and I see it a lot of time where we said earlier on no one wakes up saying I want to be a terrible leader right I mean most people yeah I, I want to um, help my people to thrive yeah however there's a tension of here's what I feel uh, or sense about how I should connect with people versus this is what's expected of me in the workplace and this is how I think I need to get results. And so how do you listen to that voice within that is 
really connecting you with your heart and with your values about this is what it means to really bring out the best in, in someone. Um, it feels like that's a big job that leaders need to engage in is just listening to that inner voice that says there's a better way, there's a healthier way um, to connect with people. I think I fully follow what you're saying. And I think, yes, there is a, big, a bigger, better way to lead people. But I think also leaders have to be open to receiving feedback. And, and that the people who should be giving the feedback think it's okay to be honest, that it's, you know, I, I'm going to be honest, I'm going to say this doesn't work for me with your leadership style, or when you speak to me this way, or when you ask me like that, it completely makes me want to do the opposite. I mean, we need to, I think leaders can evolve and change and become better leaders every single day if they are listening and if they're open to feedback real mm. honest feedback but those that aren't open to it it's almost like their people are silent victims in a way because they probably are talking amongst themselves you know but afraid to speak up further to maybe possibly initiate a change and um I could imagine that that would be very difficult for some. Um, and I think every company probably has that happening in their business. And, you know, maybe it's easier to root out in smaller companies than it is in larger, big companies uh, where it can really be nesting in all different levels. But um, it's, it is a, an ongoing challenge. And it, I think it takes some courage from, from the people who are being led to speak up and and feel it's okay to speak up and say what they need. And, yeah. and they'll be helping that leader to understand, oh, right, yeah, my people have needs. Right, yeah. okay, I, I need to give that more attention because uh, I do think our leaders want feedback. Mm. And I think they also genuinely want to act on that feedback. Mm. Uh, I think it's just what kind of vibe are you sending out as a leader is, are you saying yes? Give me feedback, but only good feedback, or are you saying, <laughs> are you yeah. saying, you know what? Give me the good, the bad, and the ugly, and yeah. I will yeah. take it on my shoulders, and I'll figure out a way to to deal with it. Um, yeah, yeah. It, it's so interesting hearing you just describe that scenario. I can't help but think, and this has been a, a hot topic in recent years, just the idea of psychological safety um, and how that plays out, right, from a just even beyond just a, a leadership dynamic, just inclusion and, and diversity and all of that. But one thought that just came to mind is as a leader thinking about not only the psychological safety for your people, but also the psychological safety for yourself. And, and how do you have this environment where people feel it's okay to give feedback. So they've got that psychological safety, but you've, you're also in a place yourself where you're not afraid to hear the feedback and not afraid to get that, that input. And so working on some of your own fears and your own reservations, which hold you back and then as a result, hold your people back. And so that was just a, a thought that came to mind, just thinking about the, that overall environment of psychological safety. So yeah, 
And that's such an important component of being your best self at work. Mm. Um, if you don't feel safe at work, uh, to be able to raise your voice, to say what's on your mind, to express yourself openly and not feel ridiculed or that something horrible might come of it. That is so important. And, and that really transcends way beyond leadership as well. I mean, it's really within teams themselves. And ultimately, the leader is is responsible for that team and engagement mm -hmm. environment and culture. And yeah, and I think, um, you know, a real easy way to just start to for, in my opinion, that leaders could just pick up and adopt right away is when they're having um, team meetings, or even a town hall meeting, um, using some of the collaborative tools that are available today, like a Slido or whatever you can capture mm, feedback mm. from that can still be anonymous if people want it to be anonymous, but sure. they can also put their name behind it, is to just ask, what was good about this meeting? What would you like to see different in the future? Mm. Just starting at a very um, basic level of it, it can't really hurt and it's not going to be so painful, but you're asking yeah. for feedback. You're starting to demonstrate to the wider community that you're leading. I want to hear from you. I want to hear so. what you think about this. And that it's a, it's a first step to mm. then bringing that into more one-to-ones. Okay. What, what else do you need from me? What could I do better for you? What do you want me to stop doing? Just mm. starting to pick this up and bring it into your dialogues starts to, I think, open up that door where employees start to feel like, okay, they keep asking me this question at every one-to-one -one I'm having. Mm -hmm. They must really want to hear from me. Okay, I'm really going to start to talk about it now. I'm going to open up. I'm going to give some of myself. And I think that can really go a long way to creating that development for leaders that might themselves be wrestling with their own safety and psychological safety issues but um, mm. it's yeah there's so many ways to to open it up you, you just have to be willing to dip your toe in the water and say okay I'm going to rip dip that toe in the ice cold water I'm going to rip that band-aid off and I'm just going to deal with whatever comes my way and yeah yeah some of it I like some of it I won't yeah and that takes courage, right? Because sometimes that this perceived bravado of, hey, command and control, there's actually an insecurity behind it. It's, I just want to tell you what to do. And, and what we're describing here is that it takes more courage and real authentic courage to say, I'm going to create an environment where people know that I really want to hear from them. And just simple things like, hey, as, as you described there, just getting feedback on how's that meeting, what could we have done better, begins to foster this environment where people know that their voice is heard. And we want that. I mean, as leaders, we want that because when people see challenges, when they see problems, you want them to be able to either flag it up or know that, hey, this is a safe environment for me to address it. Otherwise, if, if people don't feel able to speak up, all of a sudden when there is something really catastrophic, then you won't hear about it as a leader because you haven't created this environment where people are able to um, really give their, their best selves. And that could really have massive um, credibility effects uh, for that leader or for the business itself. And, and it's absolutely right. You want them to feel like they can raise the issues. And I think... 
yeah, as leaders, just asking more questions, just be curious, ask questions and really listen. Don't talk, just listen and hear mm-hmm. what, what they're answering to your questions can already just open up such a, a good dialogue. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that. That reminds me, I was having a conversation the other day with some emerging leaders and one of the ideas that came out that's so great for leaders to adopt is as a leader, when it comes to those moments of needing to share vulnerably, you go first. When yeah. it comes to those moments of having to make a decision, let your people go first and yeah. just create that. So it's that space for them to um, open up and take ownership for things, but you lead the way in vulnerability and that begins to create this really high performance, healthy environment where people want to thrive. So. No, I really like that. Um, I've never really thought about it. I think it's more or less how I behave and practice, but I've never really thought that well, yeah, there's a good reason why you would do it like that, right? (laughs) That makes perfect sense. (laughs) You're a natural, Kimberly. (laughs) Hey, I feel like we could go on for ages, but I want to wrap up with, um, sometimes I wrap up with this question and and I think it, I always love to see what comes out of it. So Kimberly, you've, you've had and continue to obviously have a great impact as a leader and a great career and, and have learned so much um, about leadership and working and influencing others. And if you could chat with the younger Kimberly, you know, just starting um, her journey as a leader in, in particular, is there any advice that you'd give that you think would have helped you even more um, have an even greater impact as as a leader than you've had and you are having? Yeah, if I was talking to my younger self, I would really tell myself to stop talking, listen more, and more importantly, don't be afraid to ask questions. Mm -hmm. Um, I learned how important questions are probably about 10 years ago in my career which is really sad that it took that long for me to really understand the value of how important asking questions is. And that it's not, you don't look stupid or foolish for asking the questions, but it really Mm. helps to get a greater understanding of what is happening. And it also helps the other person maybe in how they're communicating to where they could eventually get better. And I, just didn't realize how powerful questions are, not just to ask of my leadership, but to ask of my team. Um, so yeah, that, those would be the things I would tell my younger self. Oh, I, I, and, I love that. Go and on. to continue to not take yourself so seriously because, <laughs> you know. It's, <laughs> <laughs> And, and it sounds like that's part of the transition that helps leaders become more curious when they stop taking themselves so seriously and say, I've got to deliver and I've got to perform to recognizing, just circling back to what we started talking about at the beginning, when you're caring for someone, when you're caring for a team, when you're stewarding them, you think, I really want to know you, I really want to help you be at your best. And so I need to be as curious as I can and understand as much as I can to help you 
um, thrive. And when you begin to pull those concepts together, that stewardship, that curiosity, hey, don't take myself so seriously. If there's anyone I want to take seriously, it's my people. Yes. And just taking them seriously, yeah. then that creates a, an amazing shift. Absolutely. I love that. I love that. Well, Kimberly, a rich conversation, some great nuggets and powerful <laughs> insights there for listeners and, and viewers to take on board and to implement some in, just some simple tips as well that they can implement today, which is fantastic. So thank you for sharing your wisdom and insight. Uh, thank you for coming on to the show. My pleasure. And thanks again, Obi, for the opportunity. It was really great to see you again and to connect with you and to spend some time. So thanks again. You're welcome. You're welcome. And to our viewers, uh, remember that if you want to be a courageous and resilient leader, if you want to live life on purpose and with purpose, then it starts from the inside out. Have a great day and see you on the next show.